1: Good evening and welcome to Africa Digest. You're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, broadcasting live from Johannesburg on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band across southern Africa. I'm Jazz Arad. On the show with me with your news is Anne Musa, Joelene Tulo and Fikile Lingwati. coming up later on with your economics and sports updates. Our top stories, the representatives of South Sudan are attending a five-day meeting in the Ethiopian capital of Addis Ababa. Malawians, through various organizations, want government, the country's power utility, into two parastatals. In economics, Volkswagen plans to recall around 17,000 Amarok pickup trucks sold in Brazil, and South Africa's under-17 soccer team ready for encounter against North Korea tonight. Now with the news, here's Anne Moussa.
0: A very good afternoon to you. I'm Anne Moussa. Thousands of protesting students gathered outside South Africa's ruling ANC headquarters at Lituli House in Johannesburg have handed a memorandum of demands to the ANC Secretary-General Gwede Mantashe. Mantashe, accompanied by other ANC officials, emerged from the ruling party's offices to meet them. The memorandum was read by SRC heads.
2: This country's future depends on the urgent prioritization of universal access to quality tertiary education. We therefore demand the following. One, the ANC government must immediately release the funds to ensure a 0% fee increase for 2016 without universities imposing austerity measures. Number two, the ANC government must urgently realize free quality higher education. Number three, the ANC government must ensure it provides the resources to immediately end outsourcing of workers at institutions of higher learning.
0: As student protests continue around South Africa and Cape Town, students celebrated after the release of all 29 of those arrested following yesterday's confrontations with public order officers in the parliamentary precinct in Ellis. In the Eastern Cape Forty students have set mattresses and other items alike at the entrance of the university. Turk students were turned back from their march to the union buildings in the capital, Pretoria. South Africa's President Jacob Zuma has finally addressed the protest saying government needs to take proactive steps the president is to meet student and university leaders tomorrow
3: they are demanding that there must be zero rise and and I think they've shown their determination to fight we therefore need to find a solution we 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 are looking forward to a situation where education cannot be so expensive that the poor people are not educated you end up therefore with the poor people remaining in the difficult conditions forever. We needed to resolve the matter. I think it's not looking good that we seem to be saying poor kids, they must see for themselves.
0: Six bodies have been found with stab wounds and bullet holes in northeastern Democratic Republic of Congo, killed by suspected Ugandan Islamist rebels. The Center of Study for the Promotion of Peace, Democracy and Human Rights, a local activist group, says the bodies were found in the village of Kamakumbu, northeast of Beni. Local activists say that more than 500 people have been killed in overnight massacres in the Beni area since last October. Over 30,000 people in South Sudan's war zone regions face death by starvation. The United Nations warns that tens of thousands more are on the brink of famine. While an official famine has not been declared, the report describes the worst conditions yet seen in a 22-month civil war marked by atrocities and accusations of war crimes, including the blockading of food supplies. The Sudanese government says it has accepted an invitation from the African Union to attend peace talks with the rebel Sudan People's Liberation Movement North in Addis Ababa next month. The SPLM North has been battling Khartoum's forces in the southern blue now and South Kudafan states since 2011. The latest invitation comes as Khartoum redoubles its efforts to persuade the SPLM North and rebels from the western Darfur region to join a national dialogue. The dialogue is aimed at resolving the insurgencies on the country's borders and mending an ailing economy. And finally, at least 21 militants have been killed when Pakistani fighter jets attacked their hideouts in the northwestern tribal region on the Afghan border. The army says these strikes targeted rebels in Khyber one of the seven tribal districts where militants are still active. The latest strikes were launched on the eve of a meeting between the Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif and President Barack Obama in Washington with the threat of Islamist militants expected to be high on the agenda. That's the news headlines at 5.30 Central African time.
1: Ten past five, the Central African Time, live from the SABC in Johannesburg. This is Channel Africa. You're listening to Africa Digest. I'm Jaz Arad. Good to have you on the show. Top representatives of South Sudan's President Salva Kiir and his rival former Vice President Riek Machar are attending a five-day meeting in Addis Ababa to agree on concrete security arrangement in Africa's newest nations ahead of the formation of a government of national unity this coming December. The arrangement forms part of the clauses in a peace agreement signed by Salva Kiir and Riek Machar in August this year. James Shimaniola prepared the following report.
4: Top representatives of President Salva Kiir and his main rival rebel leader Riek Machar I expected to come up with a permanent security arrangement that will create room for the stationing of 3,000 soldiers ahead of the formation of a government of national unity that will see Salva Kiir remain president, with rebel leader Riek Machara becoming the country's vice president. The representatives of the two sides are expected to use the Addis Ababa security arrangement to release a list of one thousand five hundred soldiers that are to be deployed in juba from each side to take charge of security replacing more than ten thousand troops which were stationed there on december fifteenth twenty thirteen shortly after president salva kir claimed that riek machar then his deputy had plotted to topple the juba government Riek Machar fled Juba and became rebel leader, and it is only the regional trade bloc or intergovernmental authority on development Igad that saved the situation by mediating the 21-month conflict resulting in the preparation of a peace agreement. In Juba, plans have been made remove all government troops from there and place them at a buffer zone set up in a radius of 25 kilometers from Juba, the total number of troops from each side that will be sent to the buffer zone has however not been disclosed back in addis ababa president salva Kiir's spokesman wake attain wake confirms that indeed the Yuba government is represented there. Reflecting on the Addis Ababa security arrangement, rebel leader Riek Machar's spokesman, James Gadet Duck, said,
3: this is about uh, agreeing on implementation of the security arrangement, which uh, is a provision in the peace agreement we signed in August. So the two parties are negotiating to agree on the sizes and composition of the joint forces.
4: The Addis Ababa meeting between the two South Sudan rival groups coincide with the report that Ethiopian Prime Minister Haile Mariam Dusalen, in his capacity as Chairman of Igad, has appointed former Botswana President Festus Mokhae to head South Sudan Peace Monitoring Commission. Mokhae served as President of Botswana from 1998 to 2008 when he stepped down voluntarily. Before Mohai was elected president, he served as chairman of Southern African Development Community SADC Council of Ministers from 1992 to 1996. Mohai is the holder of many honors and awards at the local and regional and international levels. Mohai's presence in South Sudan will help to ensure that the transfer of power from the current government led by President Salva Kiir to the government of national unity comprising the president himself and Riek Machar is done smoothly. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is James Shimanula.
1: Okay, moving on to Burundi. The government of Burundi has expressed its surprise over the content of the recent communique of the African Union Peace and Security Council on October 17 over the growing insecurity and violence in Burundi as well as increased cases of human rights abuses as the council went up to deciding to impose targeted sanctions against all stakeholders who are impeding the search for a solution in Burundi. The country's cabinet secretary says... Some of the proposed decisions are unfair as the government remains open to dialogue with all stakeholders as suggested by the Council. From Bujumburu, our correspondent Bernard Bankukira sent us this report.
5: few days after the African Union Peace and Security Council issued a statement expressing concerns over the growing insecurity and violence, as well as increased cases of human rights abuses, The Burundian government says to be surprised by some of the decisions contained in the statement judged unfair. In a statement read by Philip Nzobanariba, the cabinet secretary and spokesman, he says the government was surprised that the Peace and Security Council of the African Union was quick to draw conclusions about the security situations in Burundi to the point of proposing sanctions for the government such conclusions would have been drawn from the real situation in the country that would be jointly given by the government and the experts sent to Burundi since June this year. Regarding the security issue, the government of Burundi is surprised that the Peace and Security Council of the African Union was quick to draw conclusions about the security situation in Burundi to the point of proposing sanctions before the release of the joint report of the government and the experts appointed by the council itself and whose work is underway. Regarding the planned sanctions, the government asks the Peace and Security Council of the African Union to show greater consistency in as much traumatic situations observed almost everywhere in Africa without prompting the African Union to take such extreme measures. Wisdom would dictate to wait for the release of an unbiased and agreed-on report, especially since such a decision at this particular time may even prove to be against productive as it is likely to radicalize positions with the risk of compromising peace recherchée. Reacting on the most demanded dialogue among all Burundian stakeholders. Philippines of Nariba says the government has always been open to it. He appreciates the steps made by the Ugandan facilitation as he announces the intra-Burundian dialogue process, which is about to begin. Regarding the continuation of dialogue, the government wishes to recall that it has always been open on this issue. The government constantly reiterated that position while showing goodwill in this direction. It is in this context that the government of Burundi welcomes the work achieved by the Ugandan facilitation, which, thanks to the dialogue initiated under the auspices of President Erika any has allowed inclusive elections which were attended by more than 70% of voters and resulting in the establishment of democratically elected institutions. Also in the context of dialogue, the government would like to highlight that a national commission for inter Burundian dialogue was established and that its members have been appointed based on an inclusive and transparent process possible. This dialogue is open to all citizens both from inside and from the diaspora. However, the government would like to stress once again that dialogue No matter how inclusive it may be, will under no circumstance neither hamper the work of justice nor favour
6: impunity. Thanking the Peace and Security
5: Council for having disapproved the May 13th for the coup and all perpetrators of the current violence, Philippines of Naliba urges the African Union to offer full support to the Brundan government so as to have all troublemakers before the law. Ah, For this purpose, the government of Burundi would like once again to thank the African Union for condemning the attempted coup of May 13, 2015, and invite its Peace and Security Council to remain consistent with itself and show the same firmness and treatment towards the authors of the failed coup in Burundi, like that reserved by the African Union to those responsible in this kind of situation throughout Africa, such as the most recent example of Burkina Faso. The government of Burundi, therefore, expected the African Union to provide necessary support so that the perpetrators of the attempted coup on the run and living in countries known in Africa or elsewhere shall be extradited and tried. The same expectation applies to the instigators of the insurrection who recruited children into armed violence and offense that is considered everywhere in the world as a crime against humanity. The government is still waiting for the Peace and Security Council or the African Union support for the perpetrators to be prosecuted. Tried and punished, as seen as well. The government of Burundi requests that the recent anti-third-term protests became a violent insurgency to be condemned and urges the African Union to put pressure on those
6: who fueled it. On the other hand,
5: the government welcomes the position of the African Union Security Council to condemn the use of armed rebellion and other violence, the position it shares with the government of Burundi. The government nevertheless notes that despite efforts to contain it, the violence initially carried out under the discard of peace demonstrations has gradually evolved into violent insurgency in some parts of the capital where it is developing into classic terrorism with kidnapping of persons and targeted killings, with security forces constituting the prime targets. The African Union is urged here to put sufficient pressure to those who provide weapons, training or funding to these remaining elements of the recent uprising both national and overseas to get them stop this dangerous undertaking that could lead in the future to a terrorist, nuclear difficult to deal Terrorist, with to as the current crisis yet to be solved all efforts for an inclusive dialogue have not borne any positive results meanwhile Burundi government has bowed to the urge of the international community for the resumption of the ugandan facilitated dialogue reports say consultations are still on in the ugandan capital for the possibility of resuming talks that would involve all political stakeholders Among the divisive issues includes the venue of the dialogue. The government of Burundi wants it to be organized inside the country, while the opposition and civil society want it to be held in a foreign country. For Channel Africa, this is Bernard Bankukira reporting from Bojumbura.
4: Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story.
7: for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa.
0: For Channel Africa, I'm Lilian Strobach reporting from the ICC in The Hague. Reporting for Channel Africa, I'm Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia.
4: Our cutting edge and hard hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the
8: whole picture every time.
9: George Muhango. Channel Africa, Blantyre.
3: This is Lansana Fofana, reporting for Channel Africa from Freetown. Reporting for Channel
10: Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa.
9: Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzaka. In Yawundi.
8: From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about
6: Africa.
0: In in Lesotho.
6: Reporting for Channel Africa, in Nairobi.
0: Join us every day and know what is happening around you.
8: Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
1: This is Africa Digest. I'm Jazza almost 20 minutes after 5 Central African time, live from the City of Gold. Welcome to the show. You've just tuned in. University students here in Johannesburg, South Africa, have read out their memorandum of demands to the African National Congress leaders outside of Lutuli House in Johannesburg. A large crowd of students from the Witwatersrand University and the University of Johannesburg marched to the ANC headquarters, protesting against a proposed 6% fee hike for 2016. The students, led by an SRC leader, Nqaybo Dlamini, insisted that ANC Secretary General Gwede Mantashe come down from a stage to meet with them on the streets of the city. Before handing the referendum, a young student read the referendum to Mantashe. To
2: African National Congress, from students in the 2015 national movement towards free quality education. We note that in its 1994 election campaign, the African National Congress promised free quality education for all. We note too that after 22 years of being the ruling party in the government, the ANC has failed to deliver on this critical promise. Instead, we have seen declining state funding of institutions of higher learning, in real terms and annual above inflation increases in student fees over the same period universities have outsourced workers this means that poor students and workers have borne the brunt of the state's failure to adequately fund institutions of higher learning we a new generation of students at south african universities will no longer accept this this country's future depends on the urgent prioritization of universal access to quality tertiary education. We therefore demand the following. One, the ANC government must immediately release the funds to ensure a 0% fee increase in 2016 without universities imposing austerity measures. Number two, the ANC government must urgently realize free quality higher education. Number three, the ANC government must ensure it provides the resources to immediately end outsourcing of workers at institutions of higher education. All workers must be insourced. Am I done?
1: That was a young student reading the memorandum to the ANC leadership outside Luthuli House. Moving on to Malawi, Malayans, through various organizations, want government to split the Electricity Supply Corporation of Malawi, ESCOM, and ESCOM into two Paris by next year to improve power generations and distribution. What this means, therefore, is that a new company to distribute – Transmit power should be put in place. The unbundling of ESCOM, which has over the years been enjoying the monopoly of power, is currently being undertaken under the power market restructuring. George Mahangu reports from Blantyre.
9: For the authorities, the power market restructuring is a process which entails coming up with a single buyer systems and market operations. The system also includes the redesigning of regulatory process, changes in the Electricity Act of 2004, as well as the establishment of an independent power producer through a public tender procurement process. Lilong expects that the process to be completed in 2016 and if there will be any spillover, then the process will be completed in the first quarter of 2017. Last month, the U.S. government said Malawi will need between 500 and 1,000 additional megawatts over the next five years to keep up with demand projections the US government through the millennium challenge corporation mcc disclosed that it is investing 350 million us dollars in malawi over the next 10 years and 150 million us dollars this calendar year alone to increase power generation and improve transmission the mcc has since said it is helping the government to reform malawi's power sector to make it more attractive to private investment while helping to strengthen ESCOM and Energy Regulator Mira. This is in line with what business commentator Frederick Shanghai has been advocating for. Changai's advocacy was investment in the area of energy. People like me and other private companies would have done step down transformers all over the country then if the whole country is electrified then look at the supply and again what else what other power supply sources do we have in the country that we can use to generate more capacity for the country
8: because like i said power is everything malawi is discovering minerals
9: in terms of business as we'll be concentrating on generating power before selling it to a new sister company as a single buyer which will take power to end users or consumers. Government has since started hiring consultants and also the refurbishment of A hydropower section and the hiring of consultants is also underway to study the transmission line and also to look at the substations. Malawi's principal secretary in the Minister of Natural Resources and Energy Ben Botolo said following an international research of power market models conducted by a Spanish firm, government settled for model 5 which will see Eskom being split into two companies. Currently, consumers still complain of power blackouts and high tariffs. This is the gospel that we have been hearing for quite a long time after... Uh, the installation or commissioning of a new transformer or uh, yeah i can i can just say transformer every time we are told uh, electricity will improve but most of the times what turns out is totally different and taking the experience that we have had before i don't think i should have any expectation that things will improve i don't think so
6: we we'll have, will have no blackouts as frequent as they were before. Uh, and I'm very sure that would, would come to a stop if we are very, very careful with the equipment. If the equipment is taken care of, we keep the equipment in good shape because if we don't we don't keep the equipment in good shape then we will still be talking of blackouts in our country.
9: People's life will be something, will be uplifted. Energy experts locally and internationally say the restructuring system is critical to Malawi as it will also boost private sector participation to increase capacity of power generation, transmission and distribution.
1: South Africans are being urged to take charge of their bone health now. This comes as the global community commemorates World Osteoporosis Day today. This worldwide campaign is marked on October the 22nd each year to raise global awareness of the prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of osteoporosis. Theresa Huff is the Chief Executive Officer of the National Osteoporosis Foundation of South Africa. You
11: know, osteoporosis literally means porous bones. So that means... That because your bones become porous, mm. it becomes more susceptible to fractures, of specifically the spine and the forearm and the more serious one, the hip. So basically that, and we can't feel our bones becoming thinner. That's why mm. we call it the silent disease. It's almost like having a high cholesterol and the first is actually, or the first sign is actually a heart attack. And mm. pretty much the same as with, with osteoporosis. If you want to know how, how prevalent it is in South Africa, mm. we are an aging population. So at this point in time, we only have about 8 million people over the age of 50. If you look at them, probably about 4 million of them will have osteoporosis at sure. this point in time.
7: Now, um, Teresa, does osteoporosis only affect people in their um, old age or is it something that can happen to anyone really? Actually, it can happen to kids. It can happen in
11: your know, mid-years. mm but age is you still your biggest risk factor. Yeah. It, it was actually always thought, and it's a total myth, that it was only old white ladies that got this <laughs> disease. Yeah. Or, and it was a normal part of aging. It's a total myth. It attacks all race groups. It's one in three women, one in five men. Sure. Kids can have it. And there are various risk factors, like high cortisone or chronic cortisone. Mm. If you've already fractured after a minor trauma, chronic diseases like malignancies, cancers, anorexia, and specifically teenagers because they want to be thin. Mm. So they cut out all their healthy dairy products because it's apparently fattening for them. So the, most diseases, most chronic diseases out there can in the long run cause cause osteoporosis, but age still remains one of your biggest risk factors. Mm. And then obviously we're a country where we like alcohol, alcoholics do have a bigger risk if you don't take in enough dairy or calcium, if you don't exercise. So on the one hand, it's, it's an aging thing as well,
7: but on the other hand, like all the other lifestyle. chronic diseases, mm. it's a lifestyle thing. You've mentioned quite a number of things to look out for, and um, of course, uh, for many people, they're probably hearing this for the first time. Do you think, in your view, enough has been done to really um, get the message out there? And what more can be done, in your view?
11: Oh, I. This is my fight. This mm. is the osteoporosis foundation's fight. Is to get people more aware about this. But you know, this is South Africa. We're a developing country, and there are many other diseases like HIV, mm. AIDS, TB, malnutrition, cancers that take priority over a Cinderella d- disease like osteoporosis. Mm. And it because you just you just cannot see it. You mm. can't see it happening until it's too late, and you become bent over. We have a hip fracture. Sure. So I need to do much more work to make people aware. We're a, we're a small foundation, but there, that's why we need radio stations, the media, everyone to really to really help us make people aware about the seriousness of, mm. of osteoporosis. Because a hip fracture replacement or, or just repairing one, in costing the
2: region of 180 thousand rand. I was That's just it. about to actually ask about <laughs> the treatments that are available out there, but you have really painted quite a bleak a bleak picture. And it's not
11: actually because mm. the good news is you can prevent 70 percent of such mm. if you if you get the the right medication. And we do have every medication available from bisphosphonates yep. right through to uh, right through to to PTH, which is parathyroid hormone. We've got everything available. But the sad news it's not available to everyone because you either not on the high end of your medical aid and the the government hospitals don't don't stop all these medications.
12: Yeah. Yeah.
11: And that's really that's what we want to do. We want to make diagnosis and treatment of osteoporosis available to everyone who needs it.
7: Well, Teresa, for people listening right now and you're thinking they might have these symptoms that you were speaking of earlier on, mm. um, or they can they feel maybe, I know you were saying that you can't really tell it is a silent um, disease, so to speak, but for people who just like to get more information, there's a website that they can go on to just go and get more info around that.
11: Absolutely, and that's www. Mm -hmm. Osteoporosis. O S T E O P O R O S I S. Mm dot org. dot za, and we're we on Twitter. We're on Facebook, so you can either just go and and look at the Twitter profile, Mm -hmm. or on our Facebook, because we've got all the latest news globally, on available on our website and specifically on Facebook and Twitter.
1: There's Theresa Huff, Chief Executive Officer of the National Osteoporosis Foundation of South Africa, talking to Zikonamiso. Time for the news headline is Zan Musa.
0: A very good afternoon to you. Um and Musa. students in South Africa have demanded that the ruling ANC government must immediately release the funds to ensure there's no fee increment for 2016 without universities imposing austerity measures. Six parties have been found with stab wounds at bullet holes in Northeastern Democratic Republic of Congo, killed by suspected Ugandan Islamist rebels. And at least 21 militants have been killed when Pakistani fighter jets protect the hideouts in the northwestern tribal region on the Afghan border. Those are the stories making headlines. This is Africa Digest.
1: This is Africa Digest, live from Johannesburg. If you've just joined us, welcome to the show, 27 minutes to 6 6 p.m. Central African time. At a time when Zimbabwe is battling with an ailing economy, a pledge by United Nations agencies. To avail resources towards achieving all these 17 sustainable development goals is sweet news. Zimbabwe is so broke that the country is relying on donor funds for its key programs to be achieved. However, the political will has been blamed for the country's demise. Meanwhile, for any SDG to be achieved in Zimbabwe by 2030, a concerted effort on health is required. Simon Muchemwe reports from Harari.
10: Up to 2015, developing nations such as Zimbabwe, were seized with the Millennium Development Goals, MDGs, which were officially established following the Millennium Summit of the United Nations in 2000. The MDGs required all countries to unite on agreed goals of poverty alleviation, education, gender equality, and empowerment of women, child maternal health, environment sustainability, reducing HIV and AIDS and communicable diseases, and building a global partnership for development. The MDGs were supposed to be achieved by 2015, but a further process was needed to agree and develop more goals from 2015 to 2030, hence the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. For Zimbabwe, the SDGs can only be achieved if there is an investment boost in the health sector. This was said during the 70th anniversary of the United Nations in Harare this week. Dr. Sheikh Sise, country director of the United Nations Population Fund, say,
13: You know, this goal, this goal called for achieving also universal access to sexual and reproductive health and care, reducing global maternal death rates and also ending HIV AIDS, as it was called, and they have a target. The target is 2030. As UNFPA, you may know, we are leading also on the sexual reproductive health right, which definitely is one of the strong elements by which we can definitely maintain in life some of the women that are paying a high tribute while delivering births. And in UNFPA, we believe that no woman should die while giving life. Uh, about your question, instead of going at the highest system level, then let's go at the people-centered approach. And I was, when I was listening to David Okello, looking at our agenda, we you talk to a young girl, let's say 15 years, oh, young girl. To that young girl, I think we owe a lot. We owe her at least to be there in 2013 as in charge of any business.
10: Dr. David Okelo, World Health Organization country representative said SDG's success would only be measured by a healthy nation. This required Zimbabwe's continued fight against HIV and AIDS, TB, malaria, and non-communicable diseases.
14: Health is also presented as an input to other goals as a reliable measure of how well sustainable development is progressing in general. So health is not just an outcome. It's also an important measure of how other goals are working. And you add the rep from FAO talking about issues that are really health, and we need to focus on health as a measure of how good other development agendas are moving. The health goal itself includes new targets, for key issues on which a major progress has been made already under MDGs. The MDGs, yes, we made progress, but they are not finished. We have pending issues that are now captured in the new Sustainable Development Goal. This is good. The global HIV, TB, and malaria epidemic have been turned around. We know progress has been made. Worldwide, child mortality and maternal mortality have dropped greatly.
10: The UN Resident Coordinator, Bishop Parajuli, emphasized the 17 SDGs are intertwined if God to be pursued at the same time.
15: The adoption of the SDGs mark a historic moment when the global community offers its vision of a better future for nation- nations large and small and for all people of the world. Uh, the 17 goals as presented by my colleagues present here, and the Permanent Secretary Director Sivanda will form the foundation of the new development agenda designed to set the world on a course of action to end poverty, transform lives, and protect the planet. As you know, the SDGs do not stand alone, nor they are a simple replacement of the MDGs. In a great part, they are inspired by the achievements, lesson learned, and unfinished business of the Million Development Goal, as was very eloquently Uh, elaborated by Dr. Sibanda. Uh, Adopted 15 years ago, MDG saw that millions of people's lives have improved due to concerted effort to achieve the MDG target, on whose soldiers the SDG rests. Meanwhile,
10: Zimbabwe pledged to work with all UN agencies in turning around the country's economy by making sure the environment is conducive for success in Zimbabwe. Dr. Desire Sibanda Secretary for Economic Planning and Investment Promotion,
6: Said. From uh, our perspective, as articulated by Secretary Svanda, the Minister of Microeconomic Planning and Investment Promotion will be expected to continue to coordinate the rollout of the SDG agenda with the support of key ministries and other stakeholders.
10: Chief Secretary to the Office of the President and Cabinet, Dr. Mishek Sibanda, reiterated the pledge for a political will for the 17 SDGs to be achieved.
6: Reference has already been made by my colleague, the UN Resident Coordinator to the Zimbabwe United Nations Development Framework, ZUNDAF, 2016 to 2020, which we signed a couple of months in this very room. A programming partnership that is between the government of Zimbabwe and the United Nations, and already they are indicative. You know support from main agencies of the UN, and I want to thank you know the presenters, the presenters from the UN agency
10: Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe. This is Simon Muchema.
1: Wine is gaining higher acceptance with consumers as both a social drink and a casual dinner beverage. People would like to know more about wine so they can feel comfortable about their selection among numerous possibilities. Isekwane Wine Tasting Experience is an annual event that will rotate around the townships around South Africa's capital of Pretoria with prospects of growing into other townships within the Gauteng province. This year's event is taking place on the 31st of October at the village in Mamelodi Township. Cindy Mabe from Isekwane Wine Tasting Experience tells us more.
16: I think if you, you're aware of your surroundings and what, what happens, uh, particularly in the South African landscape, when it comes to destination marketing, you know, so that people explore and travel more beyond just going to the villages, et it's really about integrating society and the economy. So when we thought about this concept, it was essentially about finding a, a new or innovative way of bringing uh, experiences that you will find in suburbia or more developed economies to the townships. And we had done our research where people were saying, but why are we excluded? Everything else is happening
7: Mm, in the larger mm, cities.
16: mm. We, too, have an appetite uh, for excellent cuisine. We want uh, the decadence. We want, um, you know, the, the sophistication that we experience in bigger cities. So... When we talk about township economies, there's obviously a market there because disposable income is available. We know that uh, the townships or even the lower income earners are the ones that drive the economy because they are big spenders.
15: Mm.
16: So we thought, okay, let's make this educational, interesting, innovative and bring opportunities to the township market where they would normally be in the peripheral and that's where the concert really came about.
8: Now, the first event is taking place within the Gauteng province, and it's going to Mamilodi Township in the Tswane uh, 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 metro. Now, one of the novelty ideas is the fact that it's on a rotational basis. How How is this going to work, and, and where is the next, uh, next festival likely to be taken to?
16: Leanda, what we had envisaged is that um, first we will start in Gauteng because this is the hub of uh, the African continent economy and really test it to make sure that whatever we try out here before we replicate it, uh, we've crossed our T's and uh, dotted our our I's. Mm. Um, So in Mamelodi in itself, I mean, Mamelodi, it's a vast area, Uh, and also there's like great jazz greats like your maestro, who... Um, about Don Laga, mm. about Hussima mm. mm. et cetera, that, that hail from there. So already we're we really leveraging on a rich tourism history that hasn't really been tapped into effectively or adequately. So uh, Mamelodi in itself provides uh, a, an untapped market where people are sophisticated, they want to be part of things, they're innovators in their own right, and yet, opportunities are not there.
8: Now, before I got into my tea, total ways, um, I dabbled in a bit of wine, and there was this <laughs> stereotypical view. You know, there's a preconceived idea of who the consumer is. How is this festival aiming to challenge that?
16: We want to take it away from the consumerism. If you remember uh, from my opening remarks, is that mm. the township enterprises are being. Uh, revolutionized, it's evolving now. We're now appreciating that there's a core market that is unserviced. There's a core market there that just requires a little bit of education, a little bit of inclusion, uh, where we can say, look, your wine, you don't necessarily just only have to buy it from the shelf without understanding what the, the wine process is all about. You know, what type of vineyard is it what grape is it Uh, and how do you pair it with your meal why is it important that you even have to to know this kind of information but most importantly is also creating opportunities for the young people that want to explore uh, different industries outside uh, the normal you know uh, conventional kind of Uh, vocations you know you you don't always have to be a lawyer yes we need those you don't um, not everybody can be a doctor
13: Mm -hmm. there are some
16: people who are just wonderful uh, that have green fingers you know that can go into winery or farming or agriculture so we want to just encourage a warm ambient environment where business or or networks together with the uh, township Mm. Kevin association, together mm. with communities, can sit down and say, guys, we want to be part of this thing because it's a global phenomenon.
1: Cindy Mabe from Isikwane Wine Tasting Experience on the line to Luyanda Maome. Time for our economic report. Here is Jualane Tulu.
7: Thank you, Jazar. Good afternoon. The governor of the South African Reserve Bank, Lesetja Khangyaho, has warned that the country's inflation outlook is not favorable. He says the bank is expecting headline inflation to average more than the targeted 6% range in the first and the fourth quarter of next year and just less than 6% in 2017. Khangyaho was briefing economists at the Stellenbosch based Bureau for Economic Research near Cape Town in the Western Cape. The Reserve Bank governor said there are sizable risks especially from the rent's depreciation and wage and price determination processes
14: a more sustained and general rise in inflation expectation would be difficult and expensive to reverse by anchoring expectations within a credible inflation targeting regime we prevent inflation creeping higher this is a valuable objective additional inflation would hurt the people who lack the power and privilege to protect the real purchasing power of their wages and savings.
7: So that Still in South Africa, President Jacob Zuma says Mozambique is one of the country's top trading partners in Africa. President Zuma was speaking following bilateral talks with his Mozambican counterpart, Philippe Nyusi at the Union Buildings in Pretoria. In 2014, South Africa exported around $3.2 billion worth of products to Mozambique and imported products worth around 80 821 million President Zuma says trade and investment are growing exponentially between the two countries
3: An investment between our nations have grown exponentially over the past decade showing a 50% increase To this end Mozambique has remain one of South Africa's top trading partners on the African continent. In our concerted effort to increase economic cooperation, a business forum has been organized comprising of high-level business delegations from both countries.
7: Nigeria's government plans to split an oil industry bill stuck in parliament for 7 years. It will be submitted to lawmakers as its delay deters investment in Africa's largest crude producer. Breaking up the petroleum industry bill into smaller laws focused on fiscal and regulatory measures in Nigeria's energy industry would make it easier to pass through parliament. The bill first presented to parliament in 2008 will be resent to lawmakers in the first quarter of 2016. The proposed law has been held up largely by political wrangling and objections by international oil companies which say the government is demanding too big an increase in its share of revenue. The delays are costing $15 billion a year in lost investments. Volkswagen plans to recall around 17,000 Amarok pickup trucks sold in Brazil to correct software allowing the vehicles to cheat on emissions tests. The recall affects Amaroks with 2-litre diesel engines built in Argentina during model year 2011 and part of 2012. Volkswagen made the announcement in a statement, the company will begin notifying affected owners in the first quarter of 2016 when the software fix is ready. The Brazilian recall is small compared to an estimated 11 million vehicles worldwide that may contain the banned software, allowing them to temporarily reduce toxic emissions during tests, according to Volkswagen. And finally, Ethiopia has launched a tender to buy 1 million tonnes of optional origin milling wheat with offers due to be submitted on Friday. The tender called for the wheat to be shipped within four months following the purchase date. The tender was being jointly held by Ethiopia's Public Procurement and Property Disposal Service, which was seeking 600,000 tonnes, and the Ministry of Agriculture that was seeking 405,000 tonnes. Taking a look at the financial indicators, the US dollar is trading at 1338 South African rand, at 1017 Botswana Pula, and at 1206 Zambian kwacha. It is also trading at 0.64 to the British pound and at 0.88 to the euro. On the commodities market, gold is trading at $1,168 and platinum at $1,007 an ounce. Finally, the price of Brent crude oil is at $48.19 a barrel. For Channel Africa, I'm Cholani Tulo.
1: Now time for our latest in sports. Here's Fakile Linguati.
8: Now, a sports update. This hour, we're starting off with football news. The South African national under seventeen team, Amajimbos, goes to their encounter against North Korea tonight, fully aware that nothing less than three points would guarantee them a hope of reaching the knockout phase of the FIFA under seventeen World Cup. The two teams last lost their opening games to Costa Rica and Russia, respectively meet at the estadio municipal Estaroa in Concepción, chile at 2200 hours south african time amachimbo's head coach muli finceki says a win is a must in this game
12: Uh, it's a very difficult one for us tomorrow and the way we look at it it's like uh, the two teams will be playing their first match in this tournament because um, the two teams are at zero point so it will be a very important game for the two teams and uh, a south african team Um, We have done our preparation long before this match and we are looking forward to the game tomorrow and we have given ourselves a promise to do well because um, for us uh, it's a do or die. We have to get uh, maximum points and if we don't it means um, our chances of going to the next stage will be very minimal and we are fully aware of the challenges uh, that lies ahead. And as a team and um, with the players uh, we are prepared tomorrow to give it uh, our all
8: following good wins for other african teams like nigeria and mali against quality oppositions like the host chile and ecuador the pressure is now on amajimbos to make their mark
12: i think coming into the second half of our our game against uh, Costa rica i think we we had a wake-up call uh, from the way we performed in the first 20 minutes so i think uh, tomorrow we will try not to to give away possession keep possession and to progress our game into um, into goals, and that's what we'll be working on tomorrow. Uh, we have seen uh, Korea DPR, it's a very good team, um, play with high tempo, and very good individual players, and technically they are very disciplined. Uh, these are the areas that we have um, observed with the team, and I think uh, with the qualities that we have in our team, with our strengths, of course, We will be ready to counter all those uh, qualities that we spoke about of uh, 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 Korea DPR, And we are looking forward to the match. Uh, Hopefully we will come out of that match um, happy and smiling because we really need to get uh, uh, maximum points if uh, our dream uh, is to get to the next level.
8: On to rugby news. The New Zealand team that will face South Africa in a Rugby World Cup semi-final at Twickenham in London on Saturday shows one change from the side that fresh france in the quarterfinals last week Front rower joe moody replaces wired crockett in the number one jersey the all blacks lineup features more than 1300 test caps and in uh, hong kong ian polter is off to a good start at the ubs hong kong open after his unconventional build-up He's uh, three under par, three behind Andrea Pavan and Lu Wei-Chi playing on a last-minute invitation. Nick Dyer reports. The Ryder Cup star had minimal preparation. Passport issues meant a late arrival once he'd established he needed to play to meet his European Tour requirements for the season. Given the circumstances, he's happy with a 67. Fellow teammates Justin Rose and Graeme McDowell are very well placed on the leaderboard, but the honours go to the two players who opened with rounds of 64. Pavan needs to finish in the top two to retain playing rights for next season. More than anything, the Italian is looking for good form after a year of struggles. Lou's struggles put everyone else's into context. Three years ago, he had surgery to remove a brain tumour. He's battled back to health and fitness, now playing his longest stretch of golf since the operation. That's about all we had time for this hour.
14: SABC brings to you Rugby World Cup 2015, live on SABC2 and SABC radio stations.
0: Africa Digest.
1: Recapping our top stories this hour top representatives of South Sudan are attending a five-day meeting in Addis Ababa. Malawians, through various organizations, want government, the country's power utility, into two Paris stattles. In economics, Volkswagen plans to recall around 17,000 Amarok pickup trucks sold in Brazil. Sports-wise, South Africa's national under-17 team ready for an encounter against North Korea tonight. Wrapping up Africa Digest for today, from myself, Jazza Arad, producer, Luyana Maome, technical producer, Siviso and the rest of the Africa Digest team, thank you for listening. Email us at infochannelafrica.co.za or SMS plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three oh. Take us through Top of the Hour is Aluta Continua by Miriam Makeba, right here on Channel Africa.
15: My people, my people.